I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Changes in New York signal what may happen next in your city, and Vin Sapola, president of Municipal Art Society in New York, is a valuable guide. Vin has served as chairman, president, and CEO across public and private organizations in New York, Washington, Boston, and London, but our subject today is New York, where for the past five years, Vin has served as president and CEO of MAS NYC. Previously, Vin led the National Park Foundation, Fidelity Capital, and four successful companies he founded. He is a partner with architect David Rockwell on a new venture, RGV, to create, incubate, and invest in design-driven enterprises in media, entertainment, and hospitality. Then MAS has long been known for its work to save Grand Central Station in New York. How do you decide which buildings should be saved in a city? Well, I mean, in, particularly in a city like New York, there are so many um, incredible places. But in a situation like Grand Central, it was so that building is so uh, distinctive and that um, terminal uh, so important to the region. And it was preemptive. I mean, to so many, it, um, it was uh, something that indisputably needed to be saved. And of course, the battle for Grand Central followed the demolition of Penn Station, which was a great uh, tragedy uh, in New York to uh, have that be destroyed. But, but MAS um, has, as a volunteer-driven organization, works very hard to identify issues as they emerge and take a position on helping save those things which uh, we believe are important to the vitality and livability of the city. More recently, MAS has expanded its work to include broader issues of planning and land use. Do you think there's such a thing as too much density in a city like New York? Density is something that has to be thought about in a very strategic way, obviously, because there is a tension uh, between increased density and infrastructure, uh, light and air, um, what happens at the street level, what we would regard um, as the livability of a city. And so adding population without adding commensurate public amenities and benefits can be a real problem. And we've seen that certainly in New York. So density is, uh, can be a powerful way for a city to stretch its muscle and uh, remain uh, vibrant, but it needs to be coordinated with other investments. What are the issues related to land use and planning that today challenge New York's continued growth? There are, uh, you know, really many. And as a harbor city, uh, there are particular concerns. I mean, obviously, uh, New York's, uh, the impact in New York because of Superstorm Sandy is, uh, is, is well understood. And so as a harbor city with hundreds of miles of uh, oceanfront, there is much to consider with respect to future planning in the in the city. I would say that, uh, again, at the very top and certainly resilience planning, climate change planning is a part of this. And that really is infrastructure. Uh, we have a decaying old infrastructure in New York. There are some spectacular infrastructure projects underway right now with uh, the Long Island Railroad coming into the city with a new access point, uh, water infrastructure. But these projects are actually, in the scheme of things, not all that significant. The city uh, really at this time requires a renaissance of infrastructure investment in order to uh, to succeed. And I think those of us that study New York and work very hard on it are uh, very concerned about overall uh, infrastructure issues and transportation infrastructure in particular. Why hasn't it happened? 
Well, I think at the national level, there's a problem, right? There is, um, you know, we don't have a national urban policy. We don't have much of a national infrastructure policy other than highway, a highway paving. Um, it seems like when we talk about infrastructure in the U.S., we talk about potholes and paving highways, and we don't really talk about the the very important needs of our growing metropolitan areas and uh, an investment in mass transit, uh, investment in those things that are going to keep uh, people moving in a sustainably conscious way. So I think it's a national problem, which then conveys to states with respect to uh, state priorities and then certainly uh, with with cities that have are under pressure for so many kinds of needs. And it seems like, you know, you kick the can down the road. The fact that the two tunnels that carry all that train traffic uh, that are underneath the Hudson River, moving the entire western part of the country to the east under the Hudson, are 110 years old. And we haven't done anything about it in terms of uh, adding another tunnel or finding other ways to uh, facilitate transportation from west to east is uh, underscores, I think, underscores the point. And you've worked at the national level uh, recently, and you probably agree with me that there's very little likelihood that we will get a national urban policy anytime soon. In the in the face of no national urban policy, what are the options for a city like New York? Well, you know, I guess we have to stop waiting for. Uh, I mean, I've stopped waiting for Washington. You're right. Uh, we haven't seen anything out of this administration. We haven't seen anything out of uh, out of Washington for a long time with respect to a coherent thinking about urban America and a challenge to to the government itself, to the federal government, to the American people, to states and cities um, about uh, what our cities require in order uh, to be equitable, to be successful. And of course, uh, that supports and fuels the success of the country as a whole. I've given up. I think the leadership is more apt to come from uh, governor's offices in certain states and uh, and is more apt to come from municipalities themselves and cities. Uh, certainly in New York, under Mayor Bloomberg, we saw a very aggressive uh, approach to refortifying, intensifying very important things within the city, from Plan NYC about sustainability to the renaissance in parks that New York has experienced to thinking about zoning in new ways, to economic activity, catalyzing certain investments in New York, like the uh, upcoming uh, tech campus on Roosevelt Island and more. And so mayors are, um, I think, taking the lead. Uh, we need more of a regional framework in places like New York. We have three states that you know don't play well together, but are dependent on one another. And so I think the regional framework in certain areas and Certainly New York is one of those areas is very, very important. And I think there can be, I think local leadership really matters and can be an inspiration to other uh, places around the country. There's always a discussion in New York, then about how to spread prosperity and growth to the boroughs. And then when it happens, people complain that the growth and prosperity change the fundamental character of the neighborhoods. How do you balance that tension? Well, it really is a uh, such an interesting question as you raise it, Carol, and especially around the march to Brooklyn and the the uh, way Brooklyn is changing. If Brooklyn were its own city, it would be the fourth largest in the United States. It is an extraordinarily diverse place and um, incredibly interesting place with lots of depth and character. But prices are really rising in Brooklyn. 
uh, as it becomes increasingly desirable to populations that in the past would have really only preferred Manhattan. So there really is a lot of tension, and this is where I think land use policy and uh, and smart city planning can go a very long way. And one of the things we need to kind of break our habit of here in New York a little bit, bit is a, this sort of notion of wholesale rezoning, where you look at a district and you just rezone the whole thing and you just kind of say, okay, this district can take you know buildings that are 30 stories taller and we create that rezoning so that we can incent you know, high-rise development, typically luxury development, whether it's luxury offices or luxury residential. And I think that, that zoning can be thought about in a much more nuanced way, uh, whereby we're really thinking about the vitality that already exists within an area, the important ecosystem that is already functioning there, and how that ecosystem can be reinforced at the same time that we may be able to encourage uh, some new development. And so I do think it's a big challenge on our uh, municipal professionals. There's no doubt about it. But in uh, many ways, they really have to throw the old rule books out, you know, the old toolbox of how to think, thinking about how to accommodate growth in the city. It needs to be they needed those ideas need to be thrown out and we need to start new and think about things in a in a different way, in a more holistic way. And so I do think that um, that planning and zoning play a very, very important role. You are a serial entrepreneur and you've been working with entrepreneurs who are feeling pressure from increases in the price of real estate in New York, among other things. Have you figured out how to solve that problem? Absolutely not. Whether it's at the street level, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's at the professional level, I believe that entrepreneurs in New York City are feeling um, a lot of pressure, cost of um, uh, office space or space where to function one's business is certainly increasing. Uh, the neighborhoods that were funkier and weirder and more affordable are getting to be in very short supply with respect to, uh, you know, really having a place for that, those startup needs and startup culture. And then there's the issue of labor. Um, you may have programmers, for example, if you're a tech startup that really prefer the startup environment, but yet the cost of living in New York is such that they really can't afford to work for the tech entrepreneur and they have to take a job with a with a big bank or a large technology company and go the institutional route really because they you know can't afford to uh, to trade uh, salary for stock options so got a lot of different pressures at the street level I think this is one of the things that's most noticeable when when a block of Columbus Avenue on the Upper West Side of Manhattan for instance which once had occupied six or seven smaller retail operations, a dry cleaner, a liquor store, a little daycare center, whatever it is, becomes emptied out and for in favor of one tenant, uh, typically a drugstore or a bank, uh, which would takes the entire block corner to corner uh, for their retail operation and does so very wastefully. Uh, and landlords are happy to have them because they obviously pay higher rents overall and sign longer leases. And so not only do you have this wiping out of neighborhood character uh, in cities, but you also you just de deplete opportunities for local invested entrepreneurs to uh, to be able to provide uh, services to their community. And uh, we see New York changing very uh, radically um, at that level. So no matter which end you take it, it's a very big discussion, a very important for discussion for New York. Uh, New York has always been, I believe it is, the capital of entrepreneurship, probably globally. 
And um, it's very, very important to what makes this city, what makes New York, New York. And if we chip away at it piece by piece and we begin to lose that, it's I think it, that would have very serious repercussions. Well, it raises a question for me about civic leadership as businesses increasingly become global. Where is the civic and the business leadership for New York coming from? That is such a huge question and a serious, I think a very serious one. And there are certainly other examples where cities have been emptied of their uh, corporate headquarters, have lost their kind of hometown banks. And uh, and so that civic involvement on the part of, of local locally oriented CEOs really starts to soften. And along with that, obviously, becomes uh, comes investment in the civic realm, in arts and culture, in those other things that make cities great. And we all know and can cite examples of where that's been the case. In New York, it's not as immediately felt, right, because it's such a huge engine. Uh, the metropolitan area of New York, 23 million people, the engine is so big and so many people are moving through it. It's very easy for problems to be very easily masked by just the volume of everything, but they do need to be identified and they are problems. And as we do move to an increasingly globalized world, what is the incentive of um, those managers in places like New York to really think about uh, what is important here rather than just think about where's the next place for them, the next better place for them to expand operations or open an office? Then what are the two or three projects in New York that are underway or in late planning stage that you believe will shape the future of the city? There's probably a top two or three. One would be Hudson Yards. This is a development uh, that is on the west side of Manhattan. It would be serviced primarily in, from a commutation standpoint by Penn Station, which has got very serious trouble. Um, Hudson Yards is a modern city within a city of high-rise development that's going to basically be the population of Minneapolis in a neighborhood on the west side of New York. It's going to shift a lot of the uh, the gravity of the city. It's another downtown, whereas one might think of midtown Manhattan around Grand Central as being a downtown and lower Manhattan as being a downtown. New York, Manhattan is getting another downtown, um, which will need to be supported with respect to services will provide competition to the commercial districts in the other areas. It's a very, very big project. And of course, it sits in a floodplain. So obviously, they're rising it up and the latest technology is being employed. But you know, most of it or all of it sits within what would be a zone A area with respect to um, impacts from storms. So, so, so interesting. I would say that the opening of the PATH station in uh, lower Manhattan, uh, which will be twice the size of Grand Central. It's a spectacular structure with extraordinary uh, spaces underground. It's a 20, truly a 21st century transit hub is going to have a enormous impact on the future of lower Manhattan. And as it relates to all the other building that has gone on there, but also its future. And then I'd say the third area, and you've already touched upon this, is what's happening in the other boroughs. The real estate speculation, uh, the rezonings, uh, the projects underway, very much uh, changing the character of some of these communities, uh, creating luxury enclaves, 
uh, within these communities. And, and I guess in a way, sort of continuing to create this broader divide as New York or maybe as Manhattan increasingly becomes a 1% city. Vin, thanks so much for being our guest on Night Cities. Thank you so much, Carol. It's really a pleasure. Vin Sapola is president of MAS NYC. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Night Cities and at C. Coletta. Find out first when new conversations are posted by signing up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash features forward slash Night Cities. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta. <laughs>